Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio, and we will be moving very quickly today with our guest. Super big thanks go out to Ace Andrews. As always, he will do an outstanding job. Hey, have you joined the I Work For Him Nation? I know that it's a big commitment, but I'm asking you to just sit back and consider this for just a moment. Christ followers across the world have been challenged to make Jesus their Lord. And understand this, if you make him the Lord of your life, he's the Lord of all of your life. Yet most of us leave the door, leave our front door on Monday morning and forget about Jesus till Friday night when we get back home. We don't bring him with us. We don't invite him in with us to our workplaces. Yet you've heard it here for three and a half years on the air. The most amazing thing we can do is to understand that our workplace is our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. Make the commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Make the commitment to look for ways to serve those around you. Make the commitment to look to ways to befriend those that you work with because those friendships will lead to an eternity with those people because friendships are what it take what it takes in order to lead people to Christ. People need to hear and see Jesus living and breathing in your life. Members of the I Work For Him Nation look for ways to pray with people when they notice they're just having a rough day. But all along, members of I Work For Him, the I Work For Him Nation are people of excellence that commit to doing whatever their job is, doing it with awesomeness. I don't think that's really a word, but it's okay. It's my radio show. I can say whatever I want until the FCC calls, but don't worry about that. Go out to iWorkForHim.com, click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag, make the commitment to your Lord, saying, I want to make a difference in my workplace, and it's going to start with me allowing my heart to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds. Romans 12.2 talks about this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And boy, oh boy, do we have lots of changing of our thinking to be done around here. Every day on the news, you hear stories of more and more of the way the world does things is just ain't right. That's right. More non-English words today. Today, we bring on a very special guest, a repeat guest I work for him, Catherine Leary Alsdorf. She's been on the cutting edge of faith and work ministry 
for years and years. She's involved in so many organizations we're going to highlight today. So get your pen out, but also make sure you go out to Facebook. I work for him. Our page will have all of these different ministries highlighted on our Facebook page after the show this evening. Catherine Leary Alsdorf, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a pleasure to be on your show. All right. So I always I like to ask a, a clarifying question about people's walk with their faith, and, and it's going to be a little bit different than what I've done before. I usually ask, well, how's Jesus making a difference in your life today? But I want to ask more specifically, how have you noticed the Lord working on the intimate details in your life in the last few weeks? Well, <laughs> I, I think I'll start with um, some of the things that he's showing me about myself um, that he would really like to see changed. So um, I, I mentioned to you earlier, Jim, that for the first time, my husband and I are starting to work together. And we have been welcoming this. This has been something that we can really work as a team. However, I've noticed, and he's noticed even more, that um, whenever he has an idea that I don't agree with, I um, just basically want to shut it down. And <laughs> it's really humbling. <laughs> you know, I say I want to be a team as long as he agrees with everything I want to do, um, and probably vice versa. So anyway, that's just where so far it's just in the fun stage of working on that, but I think there's some pretty deep um, transformations God's wanting to do in my heart in Isn't, that area. It's great to know the Lord's not done with you yet. I mean, that's yes, what's really good yes. to know. And and working with your spouse, as Martha, I'm sure, is listening somewhere in Tampa Bay today, and working with your spouse is a challenge. I know I'm a challenge, and I can tend to be what you—she's an idea person. She's a creative person. You've been a leader of almost every organization you've ever been part of, and so it's it's tough when to say, okay, Lord, I know I need to lis- listen to my spouse, but I'm not used to having to listen to anybody else. I'm just used to giving directions. <laughs> and of course, I know more. Yes, right. That's a, it's a real challenge. You know, um, I was going to mention this book later, but a great book in this area is called Joy at Work by Dennis Bakke. And he writes, he led a Fortune 500 um, energy company. And in his book, he writes about the importance of delegating and um, how he tried to create an entire organization where the senior person would delegate to someone subordinate to them. And I, you know, I thought, this is good. I hear a lot about delegating, but let me, let me ask him a question that's been always on my mind when I go through this. I said, you know, but you know how you may, you know how to do it better than they do. And he said, Catherine, think about Genesis one and Genesis two. God delegated to Adam. You think he didn't know how to do it better than Adam did? And so I was very humbled by that. Yeah, Every time I think of delegating, I think, all right, God, if you could delegate to us, I guess I could delegate. Delegation, the key to success. All right, we got lots more coming up with Catherine Leary Alsdorf as we talk about the Redeemer City to City, City to City, Redeemer Presbyterian out of New York City, the Faith and Work Conference coming up in November, Gotham Fellowship, uh, Made to Flourish Network, the Theology of Work Project, all these things that Catherine is involved in don't go away. Thank you for all of you that are listening out there on the radio and also on iTunes, iHeartRadio. 
Maybe tune in. Maybe you're listening to the podcast or the archives right off the I Work For Him website. However you're hearing the show today, we prayed before the show, as I do before every show, that something we say today will make an impact on your life, that it will draw you deeper into your faith in your workplace. We always pray that the Holy Spirit would lead our words as we talk about things relating to connecting our faith and our workplace. And there's literally... Almost nobody in this country as well-versed in connecting faith and work than Catherine Leary Alsdorf. She's involved in so many things and was brought into Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City to specifically lead the Center for Faith and Work and all of these different things that are related. Catherine, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. You know, I picked out a verse for you today, Ecclesiastes 2.24. I thought this would really be good for us to talk about today. Ecclesiastes 2.24 says this, So I decided, this is Solomon talking, So I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. How often, growing up, after you became a Christ follower, did you hear a sermon about understanding that work was a gift from the hand of God? Yeah, I don't know that I ever heard it. Unfortunately. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for more of that. I was hoping for you to say, oh, I heard incredible sermons. Now, I know once you became part of Redeemer Presbyterian with Tim Keller, you had to have been hearing sermons like that. Yes. Well, I actually became a Christian at Redeemer, and I would not have become a Christian had I not um, heard about work, since that sort of was my life at that point. Um, I was 40 years old, so... Uh, you know, it had to speak to me in the area of work. But I did grow up in the church, left it at 18, and probably at, up until 18, I'd never heard anything about work at all. So. Well, and how cool is it for you to recognize the fact that, you know, you were called to work. You weren't called to ministry. You were called to work and that you loved work. And it made sense to you to connect your faith and your work when the Bible was made relevant to your day-to-day life. All of a sudden, Jesus made sense. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, work is where the truth of the gospel gets ground into my heart. Um, it's where I learn to trust God more than any other area of my life. So, so yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a wonderful gift. So why do you think churches around the country, why do you think as a, as a whole, the American church struggles with this connection of faith and work? I, you know, I think in general, the church has struggled with um, seeing its people as the church out in the world, whether it's work or neighborhood or, you know, most leaders, they they think of their leadership as when people are gathered in to follow them. And I think the church is different. The church is equipping, I mean, it gathers for worship, and then it sends. And I think it's been hard for the church to to think of sending into the everyday, six days a week world of work. Yet what is so important to recognize in the book of Acts, the explosion of Christianity in the in the state of Israel, in the country of Israel, was in the marketplace. It was the day-to-day interactions of Christ followers in the marketplace that exploded the gospel because people were just living out their faith wherever they go. Well, in the entire Roman Empire, it was it was key to the spread of the Christian faith. 
Yeah, we got we got to be grateful for that persecution too, because otherwise you and I wouldn't be Christ followers. Because if not for the Roman persecution, it wouldn't have spread. And that's and the Roman road leading right back to Italy and then Europe and over here. We love that. Exactly. You've been involved in so many different faith and work related projects, and I know they all kind of expanded out of one. How did you first get? I'm going to use this word not not negatively. Sucked into the Redeemer Presbyterian Center for <laughs> Faith and Work. How did you first end up in the middle of that world? Because you were an executive. I was. I was in Silicon Valley. I'd moved there after becoming a Christian at Redeemer, and um, in 2002, uh, most of the world noticed the um, bubble burst in Silicon Valley, and Redeemer decided to. They saw that I was free. I was, my company had dissolved at the end of that, or in the midst of that bubble bursting. So they called me and invited me to come back because they had this idea that their congregation needed help with their work and integrating their faith with their work. So they asked me to come back and see if I could get something started. And, you know, I knew I needed it. I wished I'd had a lot more help from the church, so that's why I went. But I, there was just such pent-up demand in our church in New York that um, the phone just <laughs> rang off the hook. And um, so we were able, over 10 years, to create a thriving and, I, I think, life-changing ministry in this area. Which so area of blessing. which area of New York City is Redeemer Presbyterian located? In? We're we're right in Manhattan. Okay, right in the center of Manhattan. So is that yeah. is that near the Wall Street area? I mean, I'm a I'm a Minnesota boy living in Tampa, so I don't know. I've, I've walked the streets one time of New York City one day. That's it. So I don't really have a good feel for it. <laughs> we we have a so our congregation started on the east side of Central Park. It now is equally strong on the west side of Central Park, and we have a third congregation that meets down um, in Union Square, which is Midtown, in essence. You know, I often bring on ministries from all over the country, and a lot of people go, but Jim, they're not here. But the good news about Redeemer Presbyterian and the Center for Faith and Work and all the other things you've done, the the Made to Flourish movement, the Redeemer City to City, the Theology of Work Project, the Gotham Fellowship, you guys as a church decided, hey, we don't want to just keep this within ourselves. We want to start helping other churches around the country to learn the same things we're learning and spread this great news about connecting our faith and work. You guys have really become an equipping ministry. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really set out to do that, but people came to us, and um, so we thought, well, we really can't have a visitor every day of the week, so how do we how do we start to make this a little bit easier um, to help other people do it? And we started this sister organization called Redeemer City to City, and um, that's, that's what I've been affiliated with um, for the last several years after um, turning over the Center for Faith and Work to David Kim, who runs it now. Um, So Redeemer City to City is actually trying to create ecosystems of new churches and gospel-centered organizations in major cities around the world. Um, So it's, it's that, that arm now that's trying to help share what we've learned, um, both the how-to and, you know, even the sense of, um, how the gospel applies to different cultures 
um, in cities around the world today. So it, it's it's the how-to and the how-not-to? I mean, Redeemer City to City is the place, if people want to go to that website, RedeemerCityToCity.com, that's an, that is a resource for church leaders from around the country and around the world for them to go there and find out how to get it done? Yeah, and we do training classes, and we actually fund church planning around the world. We've helped start 388 churches in 45 cities in the, just the last 13 years. So um, really? some of that is money. A lot of that is training. And, you know, I, I think it's more than how-to, it's a vision. Uh, a vision of how um, how a church can look when it's really focused on, it's outwardly focused in, especially, you know, in New York, in a post-Christian culture. How do we, um, how do we sort of reorient ourselves to um, serving people who don't think like we do, even serving people who don't like us? And how do we work in, in, in some ways, um, hearkening back to earlier centuries of Christianity to a time when um, we're the minority, not the majority culture. So you, you said church planting. I got distracted there for a moment just thinking about church planting. So are you only planting churches in other countries, or do you plant churches around the country here? Well, we've, we've uh, got a major initiative going in New York, and we've supported church plants in, oh, I'd say... 30, 20, 30 cities in the U.S. as well. Okay, that's really cool. I know that you've got, I saw it on the website, a Faith and Work Conference coming up in November. Are you going to be part of that, or is that right out of the Center for Faith and Work? It's out of the Center for Faith and Work, so I started that conference uh, five or six years ago. This year, however, I have a conflict with a Made to Flourish conference on the same weekend. So, uh, But it's, it's, a, it's an amazing conference. Um, conference. And um, so, yeah, people should look it up. Who should be going to a conference like the Faith and Work Conference? You know, it's, it's um, I, I would say anyone who's really looking at ways to be a leader in various segments of culture. So in the arts arena, in business arena and education arena. I don't know the agenda for this year because it's not it, it's no no longer my job, but they have great speakers all the time. All right, Catherine, you mentioned kind of hinted at uh, that you're involved in this thing called Made to Flourish and that's found online at madetoflourish.org. What is this all about? Yeah, um, this was started by a pastor in Kansas named Tom Nelson, and it has just been a booming network in the last 12 months. It's um, Basically, he's organizing the country into regions and pulling together pastors in each of those regions and both um, offering resources in helping them understand how to totally reorient their congregation, or their their church, everything they do as a church, toward what their congregation is doing out in their worlds of work. And um, so it's, it's having a huge impact, is all I can say. He's focused on pastors, primarily, um, and I think that's really essential right now, because 
a lot of the faith and work activity has been by just congregants getting together and creating their own um, parachurch organizations, so to speak. And so this is one of the major efforts I've ever seen in really helping pastors become the leaders of this kind of activity. Well, and Tom Nelson is known in Kansas as one of those guys, as a pastor who gets it and talks about it. I mean, his church is famous for really helping people connect their faith and work. Uh, I finally, literally, I'm so glad you said that name, I finally just secured an interview with him in September. But I, I oh, mean, I've, been, I've been trying for three and a half years because he's written a lot of books and he understands it. And he's just come out with some new curriculum. Uh, that we're going to be talking about that day in September. But so talk to me about, I mean, pastors, this is something that people listening today can tell their pastors about, and it's madetoflourish.org, madetoflourish.org. And we'll have the link up on our Facebook page after the show. When you look at the average pastor, are they, not the average one, but the ones, there's a lot of millennial pastors out there that get this or understand that the shift has to happen. How do you see this happening with pastors 45 to 65? Are they getting the message that things need to change? Yeah, I mean, some are and some aren't. I think that if they listen to the, especially the 35 and under um, crowd in their congregation, they'll hear what a pressing need this is for them. Um, And I think, you know, what we're used to, our pastors are used to responding to the needs of families and marriage, which are certainly very, very significant needs. And sometimes that just um, sounds louder than the needs of um, people regarding their work. And so it's just a matter of getting ears to hear um, that need. So it's it is I think I think we're onto a change. Well, it's going to be you know, the other the other thing is that um, work is the area where people who don't go to church have the most pressing needs. Also, so it's a great um, it's I think the most um, significant opportunity for reaching. The unchurched. Oh, it's, it's, that we have it's in a our huge thing. Today. It's absolutely huge because people in the workplace, they're going, Why am I working? What's the point of all this? If I can make all this money, I do all this stuff, I, I spend more time at work than I do with my own family today because of commuting time and people are spending 50 or 60 hours a week away from their families. What am I doing? What is this all about? They want to know the answers. I mean, right. I, I see it. You see it in the desperation in people's faces as you, as you walk through the average Panera bread as people are networking. <laughs> I mean, because right. Panera breads across the country are the place to network, that and Starbucks. And you see it in their faces and they're networking, but they're like, why am I doing this? Why, right. uh, why, you know, why do I have? To, well, of course, one of the reasons you go to Panera Bread is they have Mountain Dew on tap. So it's, <laughs> it is that is one good reason to go to Panera Bread. But so, and that's a free advertisement. Nobody gets to charge for that. So when you look at this, this is a huge movement. So people listening, if you've got a pastor who doesn't really understand or is struggling to understand the connection between faith and work, and this is something he or she could get involved in. MadeToFlourish.org, MadeToFlourish.org. Now, you got involved a few years back in a monstrous project called The Theology of Work. 
And, and when I found out about it, and then I found out you were connected, I'm like, Catherine, how many things are you connected to? <laughs> but this project was to take every part, every book in the Bible, every chapter in the Bible, and show how it related to the theology of work. And, and, and so talk to us about that project, and people can find out more about it online at theologyofwork.org. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty exciting, and also came out of a sense that pastors didn't really know how to preach on work, and so we thought, well, maybe we just need, you know, when they're when they're going to preach on the book of Daniel, let's go through Daniel and lay out what it has to say about work or, you know, whatever um, scripture they're teaching on. So it, it started as a resource for pastors, and they pulled together a team of which I was part and my husband has been part of I think about 15 or 20 um, scholars and practitioners from around the world. Um, and we met three times a year to re- develop and review these commentaries on what the Bible has to say about work. So one of the goals was to make it free and um, free online. This is not something that was intended to benefit the Theology of Work organization at all, but just all of everyone was volunteer um, and it was it was an activity that could be made widely available. We've completed it two years ago, and now have about a hundred thousand users a month, unique oh users word. a month on the website. The website keeps expanding with case studies. Um, we're now linked to the Logos Bible software, so you can actually be studying on the Logos Bible software what you're preparing for your sermon or your teaching or your personal study, and just click through to what the um, Theology of Work commentary has to say regarding work. So um, the the push at this point is to just make it more accessible and more available to um, more and more people, both pastors and just the average worker. All right, so Catherine, you're involved with Theologyofwork.org. That's the online commentaries that are now five volumes, which is incredible. You've been, you helped start Redeemer City to City. You helped run the Redeemer Faith, Redeemer Center for Faith and Work, which we found online at faithandwork.com and involved in Made to Flourish along with Tom Nelson out of Kansas on just reorienting, reorienting the church on how to connect faith and work. But you said when we were right before we went on the air, you're talking about a brand new huge project you got going on in Raleigh. What's going on in Raleigh, North Carolina? Yeah, um, we have accepted. My husband and I have accepted a opportunity to help start a fellows program in Raleigh. Basically, three churches have come together in downtown Raleigh, and wanting to equip their young leaders um, far better for serving the city through their work in ways that um, are really more gospel-filled, I guess, than they've been able to do in the past. So we had a program that um, I was part of starting in New York as part of the Center for Faith and Work that was very successful. And we're doing a version of that down in Raleigh. It's a nine-month intensive program. They meet every week. They read lots of original sources like Augustine and Calvin and Luther. And they really get grounded um, biblically and theologically with um, 
what the Bible has to say about work, and a vision for how they can engage in their city, what God is calling them to do in their city. So we're really excited about it. We're going to do it together. As I said earlier, um, the churches have been extremely supportive. We've got a huge team of people that are making this happen, and we've just accepted 26 um, very talented young professionals who are going to walk through us through this first year with us as the inaugural class, and we're really excited about it. So So. is this going to be like the Gotham Fellowship Program that you set up at Redeemer? It is, and this one is called New City Fellows. NewCityFellows.org. You can check it out. NewCityFellows.org. NewCityFellows.org. So that's kicking off now in Raleigh this fall? That's right, in September. That's pretty exciting. I, I like the fact that you're moving south. Now we just got to know another <laughs> 12 hours south and get into Tampa Bay. There's a big movement in Tampa Bay of people recognizing their faith and work. I, I like to think that I work for him as part of that, but there's tons of fantastic marketplace ministries focusing on discipling Christ followers in their workplace. But a fellows program, uh, an offshoot of what you've been involved in these la- last 10 plus years would be fantastic as we need to, I mean, Tampa Bay is a big city, not as big as New York City, but it's a <laughs> Tampa Bay is big. Uh, this is just huge. I'm excited about Raleigh's getting. I'm a little jealous. Does that mean you guys are giving up the high life in New York City and 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 moving to Raleigh? Well, we're going to be down there two or three weeks a month. So we're not we're not moving out of New York, but we've committed uh, most of the next two years to getting this going in Raleigh. Well, I'm and sure you're really going to hate the winters. Keep it going. You're gonna hate yeah. the winters. You are gonna hate the winter, <laughs> and you're gonna hate the traffic. Yeah, it's you're, and you're gonna hate the great food. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. All right, so let's right. let's get practical with people because there's some specific things that lead people to get to getting frustrated with work. There's there's some specific. I'm having a hard time getting that out. I haven't even had Mountain Dew today. Specific <laughs> issues that are people. They're like, why? What? I'm I'm discouraged about my work. So. Part of that is that people are really, and this it hits the average worker, but it really doesn't hit the average worker. It hits almost every worker. The lack of meaning in work. You know, you may have a project that gives you some fulfillment, but there's a lack of meaning in the work, or they they think that there is. How how do you? Why is this happening? That it seems like that's a growing. It's almost like a plague within the workplace. Yes, and I I think it's helpful when we're thinking about that subject to first look at what's going on inside us individually that's causing the problem, and then secondly, what's going on societally in a more general way. So I I think individually we've all been affected by the culture that we live in, and sometimes our expectations are just um, not right. Sometimes we're working and our, 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 our definition of what would be good work is more shaped by prestige or image or the good life or the perks. And so if, if we can look inwardly first and say, Lord, what is it you're wanting me to see that is off? in how I look at work. I think that's the right starting point. Really? I work with lots of 20-somethings, and you know, the, the presenting problem is always, I think I should be quitting my job. 
And I'd say nine times out of ten, my advice to them is the problem might be you. You, If you change jobs, you'll have the same problem. So why don't you spend a, you know, six months looking at what God wants you to learn or you to change before you try to to change your external circumstance. And what you just said there, Catherine, I interrupted you, it is so because it is so true. Because the millennials, they, they are struggling with, what is this all about? I want to deal with things that are real. I, I want to see people that are real, not fakes. I'm not, I'm not interested in prestige. I'm interested in solid, believable life. And that's why they're looking for meaning in their work. And because people aren't getting told, uh, uh, talked about it at church, they don't understand they can get meaning in their work, that it doesn't matter what they do, the whole Colossians 3, 23 and 24, that whatever we do, we can bring glory to the Lord because it's the Lord that we serve. But also Philippians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about learning to be content no matter what we are doing, no matter what we're experiencing. It's something that we just, we didn't train this next generation. Right. Well, and you know, I say I'm I'm equally um, culpable. I, you know, you you get out of college and you think oh, I'm going to do great things. You know, I'm going to end poverty, and you're doing instead Excel spreadsheets for somebody. <laughs> you know, project and analytics, and so I I think that um, we're in a star-studded society. And that rubs off on us. That gets into our hearts. And we need a lot of time with God to say, Lord, help me see the value of the small things that I'm doing. Help me get your bigger picture instead of, and, and help me um, cure me of this sort of savior mentality that I, that I have going into the job. And if you don't, I'll never be happy with my work. So, Lord, I need you to work on me well, and some of this discontent, some of this frustration is that there are people now more than ever being displaced by technology, which that didn't, doesn't come as a shock, but they're also being displaced by outsourcing, international outsourcing. And, and it's, it's kind of shifted. I mean, when you look at the world where you and I grew up in, where manufacturing was the driving force of the economy in the United States of America, and today... It is not. Uh, and that manufacturing is a driving force in China, but it's not in the United States of America. And that outsourcing has become just part of the world economy as we become a global economy. But that really discourages people. So how do you help people not to deal with the fact that some people are being displaced by technology? Some people are being displaced by international outsourcing. How do they still find work knowing that their job might be on the bubble? All right, or there's people who aren't finding work. A lot of college students getting out are struggling to find that first job. So, I mean, there's no question some of the brokenness is in us and some of the brokenness is in our society. I mean, expectation-wise, there will always be brokenness in our society, and the, the job of a society is to help the most people most of the time. And right now, I think we've got some pretty chronic and long-term challenges with the technology and with a, a global economy. Um, so how do we become part of the solution to that? Or how do we, um, how does our faith help us mitigate the problems of that? Um, one of the things I'm concerned about is 
the amount of people working from home or working as a contract worker instead of part of a team in an organization or a building with other people. So some of the satisfaction in work has always been working with others to accomplish more than you can accomplish on your own. Right. But as we choose work or we're forced to work in environments where we're alone, I think we really need to try to um, mitigate against that with other forms of social interaction or workplace interaction. Maybe we join work teams in our community to help um, make bring about some sort of change in our community um, on the side or as volunteers. But we're not only made to work, we're made to work together. Right. Teamwork, and right. So, we're all given different talents. You know, as, as we dig deep into what makes work work, um, I think that's one of the areas. You know, I, you know, 10 years ago it was, if you can work from home, what a great gift that would be to be able to eliminate the commute, to be able to spend more time at home. But it really, I, I having done it a lot of the years in the last 10, the, the years when I was in an office with people were some of the most fun for me because I thrived off of those relationships and I was surrounded by people who had talents that I did not have. And it was really encouraging. But that's where... These networking groups uh, that people get involved in, they, they try to feed off of those. That's why networking places, like we mentioned earlier, where they have Mountain Dew on tap, like Panera Bread, that's <laughs> that's another. That's why you see those things so full. But that's also why you see these office buildings where you can rent an office that's four by four, but you're in a, in a place with a whole bunch of other people that used to work at home, but they knew they needed to be in another place. We all We like to be part of community. It's what God designed us to be. Yeah, I think those co-working spaces are a hugely redemptive work environment. So I, I think that's, um, that's a great antidote to that particular area of, of concern. Catherine, people in the workplace today are, are not only dealing with you know, their, their work feeling meaningless and being displaced by technology and, and uh, outsourcing, but this diversity and tolerance, they're being told that they've got to be tolerant of everything, yet people are very intolerant of Christianity. How do you, how can we encourage people who are being discriminated against, but we're being discriminated against in the name of Jesus? Yeah, you know, I, I'm in New York, so we're probably where um, there's probably more hostility toward Christianity than a lot of places in this country, but I think it's still, um, it pales against the, uh, compared to the discrimination or marginalization of Blacks or Hispanics or immigrants or handicapped. So I think we have, you know, we may not be in the privileged position we were once in, um, in this country, but I think, um, we're a long way to go before we can really say we are being persecuted. Um, so I think our plan should be to embrace a little bit of the intolerance in the spirit of understanding what persecution or discrimination or marginalization feels like. Um, there's an empathy with many other people that... Um, have had that a lot harder and uh, longer than Christians in this country have had, that um, we, we all be wise to 
develop. Well, and really, you, you said it so well. It's not really that we're persecuted, we're challenged. And we're challenged because as Christ followers in the church has really alienated a lot of people in our culture out of our judgmental attitudes instead of displaying the love of Christ and the forgiveness that, I mean, he loved yeah, there's so, we don't have enough time to talk about this but just the fact that we need to be Jesus in the workplace loving everybody and, and that's so important and you're so you're so right on that one. Catherine, we got 30 seconds left. As you look at this next big project in Raleigh this thing called newcityfellows.org and and the training up of the next generation what are you most excited about yeah i want i want to uh, help develop humble christians that can go out there and love people who aren't like us who believe differently who don't even like what we believe and yet we can we can exhibit love and humility um, that comes from truly out of god we're not we're not forcing ourselves to do it, but it's really flowing out of love and grace that God has shown us. Catherine Leary Alsdorf, thank you so much for a great show today, for sharing all that's on your heart. I really appreciate you. I look forward to our next conversation when you're in Raleigh. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been a pleasure. All right. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him radio program, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks so much to our great Ace Andrews. What an incredible job he did today. Thanks so much to our show sponsors. They keep us on the air each and every day. You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our workplace, and there's so many resources out there. You're going to have to go out to our Facebook and find out more about them. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.